Welcome to the NFT Now podcast, your go-to source to succeed in the fast-moving world of Web3. I'm Matt Medved. Each week, we interview visionary creators, builders, and collectors, so you can stay up to date on the most important trends and tactics for the internet's next frontier. Hi, welcome to Now Runway, our digital fashion panel. Now Runway is our vertical for NFT Now on digital fashion and luxury that I had the privilege of founding in February. And we talk about all things digital fashion and luxury. And this panel is, will digital fashion save Web3? I'm gonna start off by introducing myself and then we're gonna lean into introducing our panelists. My name is Aphrodite Zuri. I am a key advisor for NFT Now. I'm an art curator and I'm super, super passionate about all things fashion, particularly digital fashion. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and let our panelists introduce themselves. Hi everyone, Anaphrodite, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. So my name is Danny, and I am the founder and CEO of a company called Drop. We believe that code is the new couture, so that the future of digital fashion and fashion in general is going to be defined by code-based craftsmanship. I got into the space close to three years ago now, and I started with a content creation platform called This Outfit Does Not Exist, where I would try to bring digital fashion to life within the imagination of those in the fashion industry, those in the tech space. I then went on to become a founding member of an investment organization called RegDAO, and we really specialize in funding new creators in the space, new businesses, and also publicizing the work of creators we really think are going to be defining the future. And then I went on to found Drop a year ago. So it's been a very, very exciting journey for me. Every collection that we create as Drop is in collaboration with a different digital artist. And we try to leverage new technological systems to bring out this idea of code-based craft. Um, and one of the biggest milestones we reached recently was we had a digital dress auctioned at Christie's a month ago, and it was the first ever digital fashion piece to go on sale at a major auction house. So for me, this is very exciting because I don't only see this as hopefully elevating my work and the work of my team, but it's also challenging this conception that digital fashion is $10 gaming skins. It's not, it can be control, it can be high art. And I'm very excited to see a future where through Web3 technologies and the wider world of technology and digital craft at large, the work of artisans in the digital fashion space really comes to be celebrated and appreciated. Amazing. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name is Irene Kim. Um, I am a model and influencer and I have my own line called Irene is Good Label and I've been working as a model and a content creator in the fashion industry for about 10 years and I'm actually very new to the Web3 space but I've seen so much of the shift in the industry just being a content creator and seeing how digital fashion has been um, pioneering and changing the industry as well. So I'm really excited to discuss with these amazing women about how the industry will change. 
Thank you for having me, NFT Now, AfroDad in particular. Feeling very honored to be up here with these illustrious panelists. My name is Lady Phoenix. I'm the founder of Crypto Fashion Week. We were one of the first um, organizations, platforms, institutions to bring digital designers together, physical designers together, and figure out how we can make the metaverse more stylish, more creative, and sort of more sovereign in a way. I think creativity is the thing that's going to change and shape the world for the future, and specifically what we wear and how we express ourselves and being fully fully self-expressed in a metaverse context is really important to creating the world we want. Um, like Danny said, code is the new couture. And so those who can build teams, those who can find uh, elements or um, lanes, instruments to express their creativity through digital medium will be those that help us see a more creative and beautiful future. And so, yeah, what you wear is who you are and who you are is always changing. And that should be celebrated both in a physical sense and a digital sense. So. Hope you guys learned something and thank you for listening. Thank you for those incredible introductions. And Irene, we like to say if you're already here, you're early. We're all early. Yeah. Um, so I come from an art background. I'm a curator and I think of art as an expression of so many things and fashion is an expression of who we are. And obviously physical fashion has always been very, very important to me. And digital fashion was something I didn't take quite seriously in the beginning because I thought, how much digital fashion do I really need? I exist in IRL and I am fabulous. I am dressed like this all of the time. If I'm not on this, I'm in gym clothes. I own no jeans, no t-shirts. I'm always overdressed. And one day I decided I really, really wanted a Poe app from Tom Sachs and I had to go into his metaverse to get it. So to get into his metaverse, it was Decentraland. I had to create a little avatar and I had to dress her. I had to dress her in the free clothing that was available, and the free clothing was not great. So I thought, I don't know anybody in this metaverse, I'm gonna just pick whatever. I picked a crop top, a weird mini skirt, and these awful shoes. I looked a little bit risque. I get in this metaverse, I can't figure out this POAP situation. I'm like moving my avatar around, she's off screen, she's on screen. Finally I'm like, poke, Matt Medved. Hi, can you help me get a POAP in Decentraland from Tom Sachs? Yeah, I'll jump in. He jumps in, he looks very cool. He is wearing all black. He's got a black leather jacket. He's got black glasses. I'm like, what is his outfit? He goes, blah, blah, blah. Someone airdropped me the skin, da, 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 some collaboration. I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. He was like, wait, are you Layla? I'm like, yeah, Layla is my Uber name, my Starbucks name, and also my avatar. Cause Aphrodite, you know? And uh, he was like, I was like, please, please ignore my outfit. He's like, I love it, this is great, right? We can't figure out the POAP, by the way. We sign off. We're on a Zoom for some project. And suddenly, I hear noises. And I can't figure out where the noises are coming from. I'm being catcalled in the metaverse because my outfit was so out of control. And that is when it hit me and I realized how important our digital identities are and how important digital fashion is. And I have been fully on board ever since. And I would love for our panelists to explain why digital fashion is important to them. So Aphrodite, I love that anecdote so much because I think, I think for quite a lot of us who are excited about fashion, people always come to me and they're like, but I like physical clothes. I like to be able to touch the stuff I wear. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> My mom genuinely told me that she thought I was going to get canceled for how many physical clothes I have. 
And at the beginning, I was terrified of people finding out. I was like, oh my God, is this exactly against the ethos that we espouse here? And then one of the things that I noticed was a lot of us founders in the digital fashion space are physical fashion crazy. I think there is a massive sustainability imperative, which is very exciting. And for me, that is really centered around the idea of digital fashion not being a substitute for physical fashion, but a complement. So the way that the fashion industry works, in my eyes, it defies every single rule of traditional business. And one of the first things you learn if you're building a traditional business is put a product out, see if you have product market fit, and then produce more. Fashion does not operate with product market fit. Fashion operates by saying, we're going to put this out there into the world, and we're going to make you want it. And the next season, we're going to tell you that actually, you should want something new. And that's the way the industry functions. And I think slow fashion in terms of its ethos is phenomenal. But that's not the way the business model has functioned for, you know, let's say, ever since the rise of industrialization. Obviously, speeds are getting faster and faster. And I think what's beautiful about digital fashion is you can experiment with that identity shift, that constant need for more. But it can be done in a way that's sustainable and hopefully cheaper. And for me, that was very exciting. But I think for me, what was more exciting is, you know, my eureka moment in terms of why digital fashion should be a thing was during the pandemic, I was looking at all of these social simulation games, Fortnite, Animal Crossing, Roblox, which were not fashion games. And yet you were seeing fashion spring up in them and people using them to express their identities where they had nowhere else to go. And that started me, think me thinking this was very interesting. And I then read an article where the CMO of Gucci said, we're going to start designing clothes to be worn digitally. And I had a eureka moment. I was like, we spend so much time portraying ourselves online. We have a rise of gaming where our identities are not just going to be curated from moments in our physical lives, but actually created from the bottom up. Digital fashion is obvious. And then really what sold me was the fact that the fashion industry is so hard to break into. It's dominated by 10 or so super winners. They have colossal moats. They have economies of scale. They have connections with the best editors in the world. And it stops new entrants breaking in and their success is at the expense of those new entrants. But with digital fashion, I saw an industry where you can be from anywhere in the world. It doesn't have to be London, Milan, Paris, New York. And for a fraction of the cost, you can create this stuff online, get it onto influencers, models, just through DMing. Like that's how, that's how I started. And you can break in. And so it's this idea of democratization of, of the field. And we can talk more actually about how Web3 plays into that. But for me, it was the fact that digital identities are inevitable. And this has the potential to revolutionize an unequal system. Thank you for that. I think just from my personal experience as a model, I was always given clothes to wear. I never got to pick and choose. You know, it was being the inspiration for the designer or, you know, walk the runway or go to the fashion show. But it's definitely when I shifted my career as an influencer and I started creating content, it gave me an opportunity to be more expressive. You know, one of the things that I did was I got to collaborate with Zepetto and I got to create like 
an avatar and Irene is good avatar and I designed skins and you know hairstyles so it's it's just been like another extension of my creativity and who I am and not just having this kind of idea of so sometimes fashion brands you know they they go off being very exclusive but I think digital fashion has definitely democratized the industry and kind of given everybody an opportunity to express themselves in a different way. And it's really exciting to see how younger artists or designers that don't really get an opportunity to show during fashion week or be able to go to shows like they can use this media to to show who they are. So I think it's amazing. That's really powerful. Thank you. Lady Fee? I'll try to keep mine short because it's essentially um, a synthesis of what is already said. I think we're up here because we feel very similarly. But uh, digital fashion for me was a eureka moment in 2020 when, at least in the States, it felt like the entirety of America was on fire socially. Protests everywhere, police brutality, people's rights being squandered, um, people's housing also in jeopardy. It felt like there was a revolution of society happening. And what I realized is that at least again in the States, there's a certain profiling that happens based on what you're wearing. And when you're in the metaverse, there's a generosity of how you appear. And that generosity of how you appear is how you make new friends. People aren't just readily judging you based on what you're wearing. There's an openness there to, and a curiosity there to who you are. Um, in short, and you know, what your hair looks like, what you're wearing, and it's not a judgment. It's like, oh, that's neat, or that's different, or that's plain. I'm gonna poke them and say hi. I'm gonna like DM them and say hi. And I love the generosity that was present based on how people were self-expressed. And it felt like that generosity, if extended out into society, could help us create new worlds. I think, you know, for me, the, the metaverse is an extension of who we already are, IRL. It's not separate from us. And so thinking of the metaverse as sort of a playground for both creativity, but um, remaking the social structure was really interesting to me. And... Yeah, a light bulb moment went off. We, we did the first uh, crypto art week um, in 2020. That was really successful. We brought artists together that had never been together. People who hadn't even heard of NFTs were all of a sudden interested in this space. And through my own exploration of the metaverse, I was like, holy SHIT, this is, I don't know if we can curse and there are babies, infants in the room, so <laughs> wanting to be respectful. <laughs> but holy moly, um, this is a moment for us to, in a creative and light way, rethink our society and bring in generosity, bring in patience, bring in creativity in such a way that makes people feel good and uplifts people without it being this hard, like, oh, we're remaking society, you know? Um, and I love that about, about the metaverse as a playground to, to rethink ourselves and society from a point of generosity. I love that. Thank you, Lady Fee. Irene, we had a pre-discussion about fashion shows during COVID, and I'd, I'd love to, for you to talk to us about your perspective on that, please. Yeah, I mean, Fashion Week is always crazy. You're running around. I'm changing like 10 times a day trying to get to this show and that show. And 
I kind of, when COVID happened, everything kind of stopped. And I think a lot of people in the industry didn't know what to do. But I think that happening, it kind of organically shifted people to geared towards digital fashion. So um, Balmain did their first runway show online. They're one of the biggest houses and like you see Gucci dropping their NFTs. So it's definitely given the industry more opportunities to be more inclusive and have it be more accessible. Because if you think of these luxury houses, it's like sometimes, you know, you think of it as very expensive or unreachable, but it's definitely given the opportunity for other artists and people that maybe don't know fashion to be more creative and self-expressive. It's interesting how we, need, we needed COVID, right? As a catalyst for Web3. We were all trapped at home and all of a sudden we understood that these fashion houses that heavily relied on IRL experiences could just host virtual shows right? If you can't be there in person, you bring everyone to your fashion show. And I think that's really set the stage for us being able to be more inclusive, right? And to have a wider audience. And actually, Danny, I'd love for you to talk about the accessibility that we've created in this space with fashion. So, as I said before, accessibility is for me one of the core reasons that I got in. It's both from a social impact perspective but also selfishly just from a creativity perspective. The brands that I want to wear, I don't just want to wear you know, Prada, Dior, Bottega. Yes, obviously it's very beautiful, but I want to see up and coming designers that can represent the culture of the place that I'm in. I am currently traipsing around Seoul trying to buy Seoul-based brands. I don't want to buy European brands here. I want to buy Seoul-based designers. And it's very hard to be an up and coming brand. And so, as I said, that was one of the things that I was most excited about. And I think one of the things that was interesting is when I was starting, when you really could measure the number of digital fashion brands on two hands, if that, all of the work was self-taught. So Steffi Fung, who is an unbelievable creator, digital fashion designer, her work is displayed over there. It's a beautiful crimson dress. I would advise everyone check it out. Steffi, A, self-taught, but secondly, gave back to so many people by streaming her work online. And that's how a lot of people would learn. And I'm very excited because we've just kicked off um, an initiative called the Digital Fashion Residency with VCA, which is Vertical, which is Nicole's organization over there. And Vertical's run six or so artist residencies so far. For the past two years, they have empowered, so around 25 people for, per residency, so around 200 creators. The residency is completely global. So even in our application process, we had designers from over 40 countries, 140 or so creators applying. And we've selected 25 based on the diversity of applicants. So we really wanted this to be global. The diversity of application types, which I think was very important. So it's a digital fashion residency, but we said you do not have to have a digital fashion background. So if there were talented artists, textile designers, VFX artists, we wanted to be able to welcome them as well. And we are going to give them six weeks of training 
from leading experts in the space, leading mentors, and a showcase to collectors during freeze. And the aim is there to make sure that we're giving a slightly more standardized learning process than just self-learning. And Parsons is doing amazing work in this, Institute of Digital Fashion, same thing. And then also thinking very carefully of what else could be a blocker. So yes, you could train yourself well, but if you don't know how to use social media, you're not going to break through. Or we have this in the digital art world now, there is so much talent that for collectors, maybe they can't they can't sift through it all, so they go for the same artists. So how can we break down those barriers? So it's really built on these ideas that I was talking about, this idea of accessibility, and this idea, I think really crucially, that you do not have to have a colossal quantity of finances, that you can do this on the side of your day job, and that you don't need to be in these major cities to break in, and I'm super excited about that, and can I touch on Web3? We're going to come back. Okay. We're going to touch on Web3 in a second, but I also think there's something very important yes. around compensation. I love that. So when I first heard about AI Fashion Week, I laughed. <laughs> yeah, I was like, but who's wearing the AI fashion? I, I don't understand. And, and then I, you know, got introduced to Maison Meta, who puts on AI Fashion Week in partnership with Revolve. And I was sort of blown away by the idea that real fashion designers, real artists are using AI tools in a way that none of us would be able to. I can't just go on using AI, but whatever platforms there are, Lady Fee's going to touch upon this. Get ready. Um, and make digital fashion, but these artists were. And the best creations went to a contest and they were voted on by a really illustrious panel of judges and then also the community. And the best ones Revolve made physical clothing for them, made to order. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. And potentially this is leaning into sustainability. But Lady Fee over here is a designer herself and an artist. And she creates some of the most wonderful, whimsical creations I've ever seen. I want to wear everything. I want to put it on as a skin. And I'd love her to talk to us about some of the tools she uses and how AI fashion is important to her. Thank you, Aphrodite. So, yeah, I... I'm more of a conceptual artist, but when I found AI, I literally lost my mind. <laughs> I would be in my, so my partner and I have a home office and uh, she went away like, I don't know, maybe this is like 2022, November. And I got my mid journey, uh, like membership. I went ahead to the private paid the, like it was $50 at that time. I think it's 60 now. And she said, have you been checking your phone? I've been calling you <laughs> for hours. And I said, no, I've, I've been like deep in the rabbit hole of, of mid-journey. I'm making all kinds of stuff. I didn't even know I could design fashion, but this is amazing because I can describe in words what I want to wear, what environments and how. And all of a sudden I'm out here competing with the, you know, <laughs> they will remain nameless, but these top fashion houses, I'm looking at my, what I've designed and I'm flipping through magazines and I'm like, I got you beat. This is crazy. This is cra like, this is actually crazy. And so in terms of democratization and the ability to actually, I haven't sold anything yet because this is just for me, but I am getting ready to sell a few things and skins and, and do the whole thing. And I personally, I'm like, if I can do it and I'm a conceptual designer, it's, it's poetry. You know, it's, it's literally poetry. You put the poetry, the technical poetry inside of these uh, 
these uh, AIs, whether it be Stability AI, um, MidJourney, or whatever other program, maybe you've made a program uh, cobbling a few of these AI tools together, and you're making your own clothes. You're making your own worlds. You can share these worlds and clothes with other people. People will buy them. And so what I'm finding is like, now I'm able to take the stuff that's in my head through technical poetry, collaborate with this machine, and put out a fashion line, put out a capsule collection. And I can now go and say, hey, you know, to another designer, can you make this? Can you make this physically? I was at a conference in Montenegro called Zuzalu, put on by Vitalik, and I was chatting with some of the AI folks there. And I said, I'm making these clothings. Would you ever wear these? They said, hell yeah, we would wear that. Can you get that made? I'm like, yeah, I think I can get this made. And so I'm, I'm Someone there was from like Zaire or, I don't know, Ghana, some, somewhere in Africa. And they were like, oh, my family does manufacturing of clothing. <laughs> and we, we hand, we, we, you know, get these requests and we hand make all of these clothes. And it's like, I can make that. And it's like, dude, this is crazy. So now we really do have these worlds merging together. And we're also helping economies in other places, India, Africa, wherever, China, we're helping these economies and creative people there bring visions to life. And we're collaborating where the village of creators is now a lot smaller. Uh, so we just a side note really quickly, not AI, but important. Um, our lead designer who made all of our fashion films, we were doing metaverse fashion films. These are um, really beautiful. You beautiful watch films. Them on YouTube. Beautiful films, guys. And I'm not saying this because I was a part of making it. I mean, for real. Our designer is from South Korea. One of the best designers, periods, hands down. This is my first time in Korea. I messaged her and I'm like, I can't believe I'm here and now you're in America. Nike poached her. She had never done anything you know, in fashion before Crypto Fashion Week. And the films that she was making that we were designing together were so good, she got poached. And they were like, we want her and three other people like her. And it's just like, she's from South Korea, just doing her thing, kind of like this person behind the screen, not thinking that one day a huge corporation is going to see her stuff or magazines or any of this will see her work and love her. She's now beloved because her work is has gone from just her personal sort of collection of, of things that she's making with us now to the internet and has created an incredible opportunity for her. And so... I get stoked, I'm stoked and get really passionate about this because I don't think people realize how much just being fully self-expressed and taking creative risks and really going for it and believing in yourself can change your life, the lives of others. Like I have a community now here in South Korea because of that one person. She's a community now in the States because of Crypto Fashion Week. And we have a community of designers that we've worked with and everyone's life has been impacted for the better and has changed. There were people who in 2020 couldn't make money, but we were able to sell the designs that we were making. And all of a sudden they can support their families. They can support themselves. They have a positive um uh, bank account, right? And so I think when we're looking at this, we must also consider um, the real social impact and the real sort of like personal impact that something as small as fashion and being fully self-expressed uh, can, can, can make. Thank you so much, Lady Fee. So I intentionally chose all creators to be on my panel today. And 
organizers are important, right? Producers are important, CEOs are important, but creators are very, very important and often overlooked. And what I find most interesting is, you know, the advent of Web3 and metaverses and all this really raised the profile on so many different creators. Um, and we have a lot to learn from creators. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not super artistic. I can curate a space. I can pick artists. I can direct things. But I am not a creator myself. And I would love for Irene to talk to us about her collection for Zepetto and actually talk to us about Zepetto because not everyone is familiar with the platform, even though it is big and it is taking over. I mean, I think what the beauty of, I just wanted to say this, like of digital fashion is that it's limitless. You, it's beyond your imagination. Um, I was just also very limited as a model because I was given clothes just to wear this or try this on. But when I got to collaborate with Zepetto, which is an online gaming social platform. It's really, really cute. Like their avatars are very colorful and fun and they have like a store in there and restaurants and you can connect with people on there. But when I was given the opportunity to work with them, it was just, I could create whatever I wanted. And Irene is good world. And I played around so much with the hair color, to the clothes, to the shoes. So I kind of felt like I was going back to my childhood as well because, you know, I always loved fashion and I was always, always would be cutting out, you know, looks from magazines and looking into my mom's closet and imagining like what I would wear when I grew up. So it, it felt very childlike to create this world and I had so much fun with it. Rainbow hair, like rainbow everything. And, and then also just to see my fans buy the skins and dress up um, with their avatars. Like it was a way for also me to connect with my audience in a totally different way. And um, just to see how they were expressing themselves through what I had created. Um, so it really opened up kind of my eyes as well to see like, wow, it's not just about going to Fashion Week and being exclusive, but it was really more of like involving kind of everyone and building this community of fashion being for everyone. I love that you underline community because it's something that's so important to all of us on this stage and in this audience. Danny, just one prompt, Web3. Web three, where to begin? Finally. There have been two of them before. <laughs> I've heard. Um, so I think, for me, I think the reason that Web three is important is split into two things. I think the first and most fundamental concept, and I think this is something that we need to stress because of the situation we are in in the market at the moment, is that NFTs and Web three are an enabling technology. They do not give something value in and of themselves. So we have just gone through what we call in the Web3 world a, a bull market. And essentially that means that everybody wants to buy what we're selling, no matter what that thing was. And this is not the first time this has happened. I believe this is like third, third, fourth time. And so basically it goes in peaks and troughs. And one of the best things in certain ways, but worst things in others about Web3 is the fact that it's very easily financializable. So 
tokens, very easy to trade. NFTs, it was this idea that you can have art where there's no lockup. So I could buy something, I could flip it tomorrow. Whereas when a gallery normally sells it, you'll have a lockup. And the fact you can instantly access through the internet pools of people willing to buy. And there's a beauty to that because there's an idea that this is middlemanless. So instead of Aphrodite having to broker a deal between Lady Fee and I, which I'm sure she would do excellently and very fairly, um, it's this idea of trustlessness. So instead of needing a human being, the technology itself should perform in a way where the transaction is equitable. So the idea is, you know, money will be programmed into the contract to automatically go back to Lady Phoenix. And then every single time it's resolved, the money will go back to her. There have been some issues with that recently, but that's the principle. And so the fact that there are so many buyers, that was exciting. The fact that the money could come back to creators, that was very exciting. But in the NFT boom, there was then this conception that every single thing that was an NFT was valuable. And that is just complete BS. For me, what is so important about NFTs is that they give artistic goods, and in this case, digital fashion, the same basic rights you would expect from their counterparts. So that's like, that's the kind of the base level. And what I mean by that is digital fashion traditionally, and digital fashion has existed for as long as really basically any per, like personification on the internet has existed. So 1970s, there was a game based on boxing and there were tiny little pixelated shorts and that was you know, one of the first instances of digital fashion. And as soon as there were file naming conventions that people could see, people started changing the name. So people want to interact digitally. But in games like Fortnite, like Roblox, platforms where this has historically proliferated, you do not own the clothes that you buy in those platforms. So people are spending hundreds of dollars per year on these clothes, but you cannot take them outside of that environment. You cannot trade them freely. If you decide that you want to stop using that platform or you get kicked off or the game goes bust, you lose your assets. That is the equivalent of going into a mall and saying, hey, I bought this from this shop. And then them saying, okay, but you can't take this, this out of the mall. And actually, if you sell it, you have to get our permission. We expect some of it. And actually, if we want to take it back from you, we can do that whenever we want. You would not accept that under any circumstances in your regular life. So why would you accept it with a digital asset? NFTs allow the assets that you have to be owned by you. So they do not belong to the platform anymore when you buy them. You can monetize them freely as you would like. In a lot of cases now, you can modify them as you would like. So you're getting the same basic rights. And so a good is not valuable just because it's an NFT. And in the future, we will have a ton of goods that are NFTs, like a concert ticket, which won't have any value because it's a concert ticket. No one cares but you will own it and that is great for you. And then I think the second thing that I'll touch on very quickly is there are beautiful things in terms of creativity that you can do with Web3 technologies. So everything from upgrading loyalty programs, G Money has done something fantastic with his brand 9DCC where you can actually track interactions with others and be rewarded for that. For example, I'm very excited about a concept called dynamic NFTs where you have artworks that change based on your on-chain interactions. So when I think of that in terms of clothing, it could be that this is the Aphrodite dress. And every time I interact with something that Aphrodite does, my piece of clothing blossoms. 
or it could be linked to an external factor such as the weather. And when it's a rainy day, maybe my piece of clothing goes a stormy dark color. Or even that you could have a piece of clothing which degraded as LVMH stock went up, if that was the, the thing you wanted to convey. So I think there are creative potentials, but I think the most important thing to say is an NFT is just providing the same basic rights for your digital clothing as you would expect for the physical counterparts. So digital fashion, can it save Web3? What's fascinating is NFTs blew up. I mean, people who were just on stage earlier sold the work for $70 million. I don't think that could happen today. People have been a little bullish on NFTs and then bearish. And all of a sudden, digital fashion seems like a fad. Like they're like, oh, what's next? What's going to happen after digital fashion? And I think it's here to stay. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, Lady Fee, but also this should feel like a collaboration. Guys, jump in. But I know you're going to have I'd some strong I'd love to thoughts. collaborate with anybody, specifically Danny, who, if people know, is legendary. So, yeah, and I've just met you. And apparently you're super legendary. So <laughs> We're to. all legends. Uh, tell, me your, tell me your thoughts yeah, on this. So I think the future, yeah, I think the future, um, and after that we've had this, this conversation, yes to dynamic NFTs, a thousand percent, because dynamic NFTs are, again, about being fully self-expressed, but also now informed. Right. Like I love what you said about LVMH stock going up or down and the dress degrading um, at us with Crypto Fashion Week through a platform we created called Metagala. We've been working on how to tie uh, and it's really difficult. So we aren't going to release until we've got it down, but how to tie blue carbon credits to NFTs in a dynamic way based on ocean data. And so I personally and the folks that I work with really, really care about the ocean. Um, our body is primarily water. The body of Earth is primarily water. So we definitely need to take care of the oceans, not pollute it, um, figure out how to get people clean drinking water, all of that. And if we are going to continue to be a asset based economy, digital asset based economy, we need to tie some of these um, learnings and understandings and relationship to nature to those NFTs in a dynamic way that will allow us to be informed through the visual data of what's happening, but still in a creative, in a creative way. I personally think, yes, that's very much the future. And I think the future of fashion is dark fashion, where dark is an acronym for, it's D-A-R-Q, and it's an acronym for distributed leisure technology, AKA blockchain, AI, the R is reality, so that's uh, AR, VR, XR, so augmented reality, virtual reality, and extended reality. And the Q is quantum computing. There hasn't been a lot of talk about quantum computing as of yet. It's mainly been AI, but quantum computing is the next thing that's going to sort of like come online and be a sensation within culture. So if you're not involved in quantum computing in any way, I would suggest just start, as they say, in the, in the cultural uh, sort of like colloquialism of New York, do your Googles, meaning go to Google Scholar, do some research on quantum computing and figure out like where there's opportunities there for you um, or, for your, or for your business. I think dark fashion, bringing all of those elements together is what the fashion 
world will be built on. I think those are the four pillars of full expression and full integration with Web3. I think Web3 is actually incomplete without AI, the realities, and quantum computing. I think quantum computing is going to power everything and how we're actually going to be full, living fully immersed with these creations, with this technology, and how we're actually going to bring our worlds and our imagination together in a seamless way. You heard about quantum computing first here at Gateway. Here first. Dark fashion. It's the Dark. future. I love this. Irene, what advice would you give an aspiring digital fashion creator? And I'm going to ask this question of all of us. I think the advice just as a human and as a person that I always give is just do what you love. And I think it's also, we were saying earlier about being conscious of, of who you are and what your values are as a person and how you represent yourself in this world. So digital fashion definitely is going to give a lot of opportunities to new creators, young creators, because it's accessible and sometimes you can't get into the fashion show or sometimes you can't afford to buy the Prada dress that you want. I mean, I started my career just on like Blogspot <laughs> and I was taking my own photos, changing my own outfits myself and then I somehow got here and um, I've seen how the industry has shifted and how digital media and all these amazing platforms have given me opportunities to express myself as well. So I think it's really important to be open and wanting to learn about these new platforms so that you can, you know, express your creativity the way that you can and as much as you want to. Thank you for that. Lady V, Danny? Advice to artists? Yeah. I would say um, an advice, advice to artists, like be fearless. You know, there's the, the, the outside world will put enough restriction on you. Don't put restriction on yourself. Um, this, the cement is wet, right? So the future is literally what you make it. If you want to put something out in the world to have an impact or just, you know, to challenge yourself, the cement is wet. Write your name and step away once you do and watch that thing blossom. And if you don't like what you've created, cool, the cement is wet. Wipe it, write your name again. Keep wiping and write your name again. And if that cement should dry, get your jackhammer out and build what you want. The great thing about imagination and in this world, everything you see and experience including these chairs that you're in, this building was created by someone who was fearless and decided to go for it. So literally go for it, be fearless. You're not gonna offend anyone. You're gonna offend your higher self if you don't go for your dreams. The portal is open, jump in and be who you wanna be. The new world needs imaginative, creative, fearless people who go for it. So it's on you. Go for it, don't be afraid. Anyone can build anything. These tools allow us to be creative. If you need assistance, go to AI, go to Mid Journey, get your technical poetry on and 
start imagining. You don't need to hire a designer or a VFX person to, you know, build anything for you. These tools are now free, a lot of them. You can put a storyboard together. There are literally no restrictions right now. So be fearless. The world is waiting on you. The world is championing you. And you have friends that you haven't even met yet who, are, who will help you along the way. Thank you. Wow. I spent the whole of last night at dinner with Lady Phoenix and I was just, everything she said, I was like, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. I was like, this eloquence, I just, I don't know how I can go after that. Um, the only thing that I'll say, and this is just from personal experience, is I really feel like right now, exactly what you said, we are so early. And that means that there is a chasm where you have the ability to come into this space, teach yourself, and accelerate your work in a really, truly unparalleled way. I think it was maybe more obvious during the bull, but I think it's still completely true. You know, for me, I started what I was doing three years ago. And I started with an Instagram account with zero followers, a Substack with zero followers. I'm English, so we hate putting ourselves out there. It was my worst nightmare. But it was a pandemic and I had a, you know, not even a nine to five job, I had like an 8 a.m. to like 10 p.m. job. And I was still on the brink of not doing this. But I literally remember thinking, I was like, if you don't do this, Danny, you are going to kick yourself because this is the future and this is something you love more than anything. And someone else will do it. So just start putting yourself out there. And I you know, transformed that into a company that I raised $1.5 million for without a technical team. And that's insane. And it was so much of me kicking myself or not even, I couldn't even write a diary for the last two years because I was like, I feel like if I write this down that it's a reality, it's going to get snatched from me. But I think it really should show that you can start with nothing and you can start putting yourself out there and you can start doing what you love and genuinely something incredible will come of it. And I think another component of being so early and it's very evident in what Irene was saying and the beautiful story that Lady Phoenix told about her designer and that community is we're a really great bunch of people. People want to collaborate with you. People share your ethos. So if you get into the space right now, you can really make incredible partnerships and collaborations and there's really no time like the present. And same thing around the self-teaching, the residency that McCall and I are running together, all of those classes that we're offering our 25 residents, they're online for anybody. So really I think that plus the incredible virtuous cycle that social media there's really just no time like the present to be fearless thank you so much for that and Irene as I told you earlier 45 minutes flies by already already I want thank to you no see I told you thank you to my incredible panelists I love being the least least qualified person on the stage. It makes me feel really special to be in such good company. And let me let you in a little secret to my audience. Thank you for being here. This is the very first panel I've ever moderated. Yes. You are amazing. Thank you. Thank you.